Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Podcast be named later. I am Chris Willis, and I am again joined by my good friend Stephen Talbert. Stephen, it's been a minute. Uh, it's good to be back with you. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, season didn't end the way we hoped, and I think this is the first time you and I have been back since uh, since the loss in the division series. Yep. What's up, my friend? It has been a minute. It's been. I think we figured out about three weeks since you and I done, I've done one of these, and obviously, a lot's happened. The season ended since we last talked, and. Yeah, it was an abrupt end to a, a really fun season, and and you know, um, it was a bummer that it ended so quickly and so early. But you know, that's baseball. It's just baseball sometimes. But yeah, man, it's it's great to be on. Obviously, the uh, the fact that we're on now today with the first day of the off seasons, the the Rangers um, helped us out by ending the World Series pretty quick, and and we've already got some some off season news to talk about. But it's always good to be on. It's always good to be back on with you, buddy. Yeah, uh, the Braves gave us something to talk about real early this morning when uh, they announced a, a three-year deal for Joe Jimenez uh, worth $26 million. I think this is going to pay him $8 million, uh next year and $9 million in, in the last two uh, years of that contract. You know, I think this caught everybody surprised. Uh, you know, this there is a possibility that this deal was done several days ago uh but they held off announcing it because of the world series obviously it needed to come ahead of uh, free agents filing this morning so you know it was a pretty big surprise i think um because i think when um, pierce johnson resigned we kind of thought yeah you know that's probably it maybe uh but the braves uh you know they've uh they're trying to keep that the back half of that bullpen together and uh got got jimenez locked up on a three-year deal yeah it's an int- it's it was an interesting move they made today because on the one hand and i tweeted this yesterday but you know alex is just always hyper hyper aggressive in november like it's just insane if you look at like since he's been in charge if you look at month by month of the all season when the most deals happen like it's just far and away november is far and away in the lead Uh, he just gets so many deals done early and you know the braves have gotten two deals done early um with two of their free agents Pierce Johnson and and Joe Jimenez and obviously it's so early that technically free agency hasn't even started you can only negotiate with your free agents at the moment you can't negotiate with anybody else's that doesn't start till Monday so um, on the one hand it was super impressive to get it done to get some depth in the bullpen I like Joe Jimenez I was you know I thought he was pretty underrated for most of the year I think he had a couple of blow-ups early and that that soured some people 
Um, but he pitched really well over the, you know, if you kind of zoom out, he pitched really well for pretty much the whole season. So um, I like the move. I, I do think 26 million is a little steep for the role that he had last year. You know, they did, they did, they really didn't trust him a lot last year in terms of high leverage. I do think this is an indication that that's going to change. I don't think you pay a guy, you know, I don't think you guarantee a guy $26 million if you're going to continue to pitch him in the fifth and sixth inning. I think this is an indication that he's going to see a, a bigger role. But, um, you know, for the role he had last year, it's probably a little steep. You know, anytime you sign a guy this early, it's it's tough to really get a, a really, you know, a really great bargain. You know, the, usually the only way you can get a guy to sign this early is to, is to basically match his number. And I think that's what happened here. Um, it's not a bad deal by any stretch. It's just, you know, there's just not a, a, a ton of value for the team, kind of what we're used to seeing. But, yeah, it's a, it, was a, it was a good move. It was a very surprising move, like you said. And, um, yeah, I, 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 th- I think Alex is just hyper-aggressive in November. And he, he, I think he, honestly, I think he tries to get guys that he knows will sign early. And if, you, if you're not that guy, then he kind of moves on. And, obviously, Jimenez and, and Johnson both were, um, they were willing to do so. Yeah, I really liked the uh, Pierce Johnson sign, and obviously, I didn't, I wasn't around to talk about it when that when that one happened. Uh, but you know, a two year, fourteen point two five million deal, and there's the there's a uh, third year, a club option for a third year on that deal as well. Johnson's a little bit older than Jimenez, but you can see where they're going to fit. They should fit nicely at the back half of that bullpen, along with uh, AJ Minner, Rizel Iglesias, you know, and some others. Uh, obviously, uh, going to get some other guys back. You know the break. I think I think you're right. I mean, I, I you know I don't like spending a ton of money on relievers just because historically it's probably not a good good thing. But we do know how much the Braves prioritize that bullpen and uh, you know just the way they approach everything and how big you know you don't go don't have to go far back to 2021 to see just how big you know, how big that bullpen can be in the postseason. So I think that's some of the thinking here. You know, in an off season though. You know, I talked about it throughout throughout this season. You know, they were pretty much locked in with this bullpen. There was very little flexibility. Uh, so now that they've locked Johnson and, and Jimenez up, I think they'll it'll be interesting to see how they make the make the rest of it uh, out with uh, you know, and hopefully with some guys that maybe maybe are optionable. Uh, you know, just to give them a little more flexibility for when they need a fresh arm. You know, as you mentioned, today was the. Uh, Free agents filed today at 9 a.m. and that started the uh, quiet period for free agency. You know, November 6th is the next date to keep an eye on. That's when uh, signings can actually start at 5 p.m. on that day. That's also the day uh, for contract options deadline. Uh, and the Braves have several guys in the bullpen that's gonna that are coming up. Colin McHugh has a six million option. Kirby Yates, 5.75 million option. Brad Hand, a 7 million option. Brad Hand's is getting, I'm sure that one's getting declined. I'm pretty sure McHugh's is getting declined. But after re-signing Jimenez and Johnson, I kind of, I kind of, uh, at first I was leaning that Kirby Yates, they might, they might bring him back. But now I'm kind of wondering, you know, if he, if he, uh, you know, fits into this bullpen next year. Yeah, we were we kind of spent all day on Slack talking about this and 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 going back and forth on it about you know does the signing of Jimenez and Johnson and the fact that you already have Iglesias you're going to have Mentor back Mentor's technically an ar- ar- arbitration eligible but um, they're obviously going to tender him a contract so he's going to be back so you have those four guys and then you have Tyler Matzik coming back as well who's under contract for next year you know if you add all that up 
in terms of what they're paying those guys, you're already at about $40 million for those five guys. And, you know, Kirby Yates at five, I think five and a half million is his option. You know, it's in a vacuum. It's probably pretty fair in terms of what he can bring. You know, he's got a ton of experience. Um, you know, he was very inconsistent last year and that's a fair, that's a fair criticism, but you know, just in a vacuum, five minute, five and a half million for Kirby Yates is not bad. But when you've already spent 40 plus million on your top five guys and you still got to fill out the rest of the bullpen, you know, you, they're probably not going to spend a ton of money on that. But yeah, I'm, I am very curious to see. I, I agree with you. I think Brad Hand is a, a no, a no brainer. I think he'll be, his option will be declined. You know, McHugh, Brad, and Scott talked about this on their last show, and they kind of made a case for how either guy could be picked up, and I and I, I I agree with it. It's a it's a perfectly valid case, but after these two guys have signed and they've already got so much money, you know, allocated to the bullpen, I am very curious to see if that changes the equation for them because I can certainly make the case that they've they've spent enough money on the bullpen and they probably need to go get some younger, optionable guys like you were just mentioning, um, but. Who knows? You know, they might be willing to spend another five million on Kirby Yates. And if they do that, we'll we'll learn pretty soon. But I you know, as we as we watch this unfold today, we 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 were kind of talking about if that's if this does, you know, spell the end for, for Yates and McHugh. And I guess we'll we'll find out on Monday. Yeah, some other bullpen options they've got. Obviously, Nick Anderson uh, spent a good portion of the year on the injured list, uh, but pitched well early. He's arbitration eligible. Just going down the list, Daysbull Hernandez, they were pretty high on him. You know, he, he he got hurt as well, but was on the playoff roster. Uh, Dylan Lee had a shoulder cleanup, uh, but, you know, he's expected to be ready for uh, spring training. You know, so, I mean, you start to run out of guys. You know, you start to run out of spots here, you know, pretty quick. Uh, as far as that goes. And I, I just think that one, adding some flexibility down there, I think would just be really good because, I mean, they were just pretty much locked into, you know, the group that they had. And, I mean, at times the group pitched really well. But, you know, they when they had that run of uh, uh, rotation struggles, you know, it was it was kind of hard to add a fresh arm uh, there. And, and I think that, uh, you know, that, that sent things – that sent, sent things um, – you know, sideways a little bit uh, late in the season. You know, you mentioned A.J. Minner's arbitration eligible. Uh, again, this is his last time he's in the same boat as Max Freed. You know, I do wonder, I, I kind of was curious if, you know, we might get an extension for him. Maybe he's so close to, uh, you know, free agency at this point. Uh, you know, he, he, he tests the waters. But, you know, I mean, I think everybody knows how good A.J. Minner's been as a reliever. Uh, but often, you know, non-closers like that, I just don't know how much, you know, how much more, how much more money is AJ Minner going to get than Joe Jimenez? Obviously, he should get a, a little more. But you know, at the same time, I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens to him. You know, if if the Braves don't extend him beyond uh, next season, and then you know, at the end of next season when he does become, hit hit free agency. Yeah, it's it's tricky with AJ because he's had. You know, in 2022, he was essentially the well, you know one of the two or three best relievers in baseball, and he was still really good last year. He got off to that horrendous start last year, and and you know, um, it took a long time for his numbers to look like normal AJ Minter numbers, but eventually they did. You know, he 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 was battling some bad luck early in the season, and and eventually leveled out into a normal AJ Minter year. And you know, I'll be honest, when I saw the contract for Jimenez one of the first things that went to, through my head was if they had offered AJ the same deal, 326, does he take that? Like, 
you know, relievers are just such a different animal. They're so volatile. A lot of times they'll they'll take the guaranteed money, even if it's probably a level below what they're worth. I think AJ's worth more than that. But, you know, AJ himself has had some up and down years. And if, you know, if if you time it out bad where you have a down year in your walk year, then you can really cost yourself a lot of money. So, you know, when I saw that news come across the wire this morning, that was one of the first things I thought was, you know, I wonder if they offered this exact same contract to AJ if he would take it. And obviously we don't know and we don't know what they've offered. I'm sure they've offered some sort of extension somewhere along the way. Um, and obviously he hasn't accepted if they did. So um, that, that will be interesting if at some point in the off season, we get an AJ mentor update or if they just renew him for his last year. And, and then, you know, he, he leaves in free agency next year, but yeah, it, it was something that crossed my mind when the Jimenez thing dropped because, you know, everybody's talked about Max Freed, Max Freed, Max Freed. But A.J. Minter is the other guy who's kind of, you know, quietly made his way through all the arbitrations and, and now just has one more year of team control. And he plays a big role in the team. So that part will be interesting. That's that's a good point. Yeah, before we move on, though, I think it is worth mentioning. I mean, I, I, I'm guilty of this, of saying, you know, once a guy gets so close to free agency, it's rare that, uh, you know, they, they go ahead and sign that extension. But it's also worth pointing out that Joe Jimenez and Pierce Johnson just abs- just did that. You know, um, I can't remember a time too often that the Braves have, you know, have uh, after the season was over, uh, before free agency started, locking up two guys that were free agents to be. Uh, but you know they did that this year, so you know, and that could be the same thing for AJ Minner if you know if he's uh, if he wants to stay and and you know puts together a good season in twenty twenty four. I mean, it wouldn't be out of the question. Obviously, we've got some precedent for it now. Uh, but you know, like I said, it is something to keep an eye on. And he is one of the, in my opinion, he's still one of the key arms down in that bullpen. Um, you know, I, before we before we move on, you know, Tyler Matzik, uh, You know, I'm I'm afraid. <laughs> Alex did say the other day that, you know, he's going to be ready to go uh, at the start of spring training. You know, I think everybody's going to need to kind of check the expectations a little bit, though, just because he's coming off. He is coming off Tommy John and everything. But, you know, I mean, if they could get him back anywhere close to where he was in 2021, you know, this bullpen starts to look really different. Yeah. About him and Dylan Lee, right? I mean, Think about getting him back. Think about getting Dylan Lee back. You know, if Nick Anderson came back and, and performed the way he did, um, you know, early on in, in 2023, I mean, this bullpen gets nasty in a hurry. I mean, that's a really strong, probably top eight, top nine, depending on, you know, who else they bring in. So, yeah, Tyler Matzik is a, is a huge variable. But what I like that they've done is that they don't necessarily need Matzik to be elite next year. Like they have this ninth inning, they have the eighth inning, they have the seventh inning, even potentially the sixth inning. Like they have guys who can cover high leverage innings even without Matzik. And so, you know, that's what I like that they've done. They're not they're not depending on him. It's he's just a guy that can be an option if he's if he's right. And I think that's the way to do it. Yeah, I agree. And you know, we saw at the end of the season, I mean, they kind of ran out of left handed relievers. So, I mean, if you can get Matzik and Dylan Lee both back healthy to pair with AJ Minner, that's a that's a pretty strong trio to have in any bullpen. And I I, I want to it's not on our outline, but I want to mention Michael Tonkin too. Uh, he's a he's arb eligible, um, like Nick Anderson, and they can bring him back for pretty much nothing. I mean, like a million bucks, they can bring him back. So the Braves do have options. That's another reason I'm not terribly optimistic about Kirby and and McHugh is because 
you know, if you have all those guys, you know, how is Kirby your eighth best, seventh best reliever? Is McHugh your ninth best reliever? Like, you know, do you really want to drop five million on each of those guys? So, um, but the Braves have a lot of options. It's a really good start to the bull. The bullpen's in really good shape. Yeah, and I mean, if you and like you said, if you bring all those guys back, then all of a sudden you've backed yourself into a situation where you can't option any of those guys either. So you know that's something that's going to be something as as they start to fill out um, fill out this roster uh, throughout the offseason, That's going to be something to keep an eye on. I think the area that uh, you know we were most con- probably most concerned with heading into the offseason, obviously, is the rotation. We we spent a lot of time in Slack today talking about it. Uh, we mentioned the contract option deadlines November six. Probably the biggest uh, name on that list is Charlie Morton, who has a twenty million dollar club option. There's been virtually no news about this. Um, you know, uh, Morton, of course, had the uh, finger injury that kept him out of the division series. I know um, the Braves were kind of vague uh, during that series about you know how he was doing. He was throwing, uh, but what hadn't really thrown a breaking ball. I believe this was around maybe around game two when those comments were made charlie's going to be 40 next year i've been a kind of the opinion that you know if the braves if he wants to pitch that he's coming back uh but it hadn't happened yet and uh you know i kind of wondered i kind of wondered every day uh, since the season has been over if we were going to get some sort of announcement but it's also one of those situations that if he doesn't come back you know, the Braves are probably already looking for a starting pitcher for the rotation this year. And if Morton doesn't come back, they may need to actually add two. So, you know, that's an interesting decision that's going to come here pretty quickly. Yeah, I'm going to make a prediction and I'll I'll probably be dead wrong about it, but I'm going to make it anyway. I think if Charlie was going to retire, then I think he would have done it already. I, I don't like there's no you don't have to wait till Monday November 6th to retire like that's the date that you have to for the team to pick up his option but if Charlie really wanted to retire I don't, I don't know I think it would have happened I could be dead wrong you know we could find out tomorrow that he's retiring and, and I could look like an idiot but you know I think he's waiting on the Braves to figure out what they want to do um, if they say yeah we'll just run it back at 20 million I think he's in if they say you know we don't want to run it back at 20 million but we might want to run it back at 15 million then you know. Then I guess he can make a, a decision either way. I think he'd still do it. I don't think he wants to go anywhere else. I think it's probably Braves to retire at this point. But like you said, it it is it. It's kind of a uh, it's a massive massive piece because it really pivots the entire off season. Because if you have to acquire two starting pitchers in one off season, that is brutal. Like that is acquiring starting pitching is one of the most, if not the most, expensive and and risky endeavors uh, a front office can undertake and, and to have to get two guys in the same offseason especially at the level that you know charlie morton has pitched at you know with kyle wright out that, that's that's painful that that that's not easy to do and you know we're going to get into this free agent class here in a minute it, it's not great and so you know it, it really is a massive piece that we're going to get an answer to very soon and it'll be fascinating because it really does it changes what the braves do for the rest of the offseason yeah, and I mean, I think it's so critical just because, you know, Max Freed only made, what, 14 starts last year, um, you know, was on the on the aisle three different times, uh, most notably for a forearm strain that wiped him out for about three months. Uh, forearm strain, you know, they said there was no 
further damage in that but you know typically that's a warning sign for the elbow we don't have any i don't want to speculate uh they haven't said anything and he pitched pretty well when he returned uh you know he didn't look like a guy that had an elbow injury uh but you know again this team needs him to go out and make 30 starts next year uh and i know he's going to want to make 30 starts because he's going to be he's going to be in his uh walk year as well and you know we'll need to put together a huge season to sign get that big free agent deal he's looking at spencer strider um you know i mean obviously he was amazing strikeout numbers uh era was a little inflated uh but you know this guy he looks like a perennial cy young uh candidate if he can stay healthy bryce elder great story ended badly um you know so i mean there's some question marks here and i just kind of feel like i mean they've got a ton of guys that they can run out there but you know i don't know do you want aj smith shaver in your rotation on opening day do you want alan winans or darius vines um you know obviously hurston waldrop's going to get a lot of buzz but i don't think i don't see him breaking camp with the team you know he might be an option in a month or two into the season you know, and I mean, as you just alluded to, if you've looked at this list of free agents, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of bleak. I mean, in a normal, a normal year, uh, you know, I've always, I've always looked at Sonny, a guy like Sonny Gray and thought, you know, that guy's, that guy looks like a brave starter to me and he always has. Uh, but Keith Law put out his, uh, list of top 50 free agents today and soon to be 33 year old Sonny Gray is number five on this list and he's coming off an amazing season uh but just because there's not that many guys out there those free agents are going to be very expensive and you know that's you know braves may have money to spend uh but they've been really reserved as far as uh average annual value and not overpaying for you know aging starters i mean that's one thing that they haven't done yet um, so, you know, I mean, it, at some point you've got to go out and get a starter, maybe two, but how you do that and how you come up with them is I think how is the question that's got to be asked. Yeah, it's, it's very, it's very tricky. It's, it's, it can be very expensive. It can be very, very risky. You know, uh, I mean, the Braves got saved a little bit by the COVID year because they, they, they went out and gave Cole Hamels, you know, $18 million or whatever it was. And, and he ended up never pitching for him, and and obviously with the COVID year, they didn't have to pay all eighteen million of that. But it it was a bad signing, and that's what can happen. I mean, you can you can have all the, and that was this front office. Like that's not another front office. That you know, Alex and his team signed that guy, and and that's what can happen. You know, you every everything can look right, and you can give a guy a bunch of money, and then it just goes to you know, it just goes in the toilet real fast. And I I hate signing free agent starters. If I'm being honest, you know, I I think it's a I, you know, guys like Zach Wheeler who live up to the contract and then some are, are few and far between. You get a lot more guys like Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg and, and guys like that who who don't live up to the contract and, and far worse, you know, uh, don't even come close to living up to the contract. And and so, you know, I would much rather trades, if I'm being honest. I, I would rather use some, you know, either Grissom or some maybe some of the young arms to go get guys who maybe don't make quite as much money, have a little team control, but you know, those aren't always available. Sometimes you just have to sign free agent starters. I mean, the Braves had to sign Charlie Morton when they did in 2020 because they needed another guy. And, you know, there's probably they're probably going to be in a similar situation. My guess, and I'm not reporting anything, this is just my total guess, is they're going to look for a guy, you know, maybe like Giolito who had a rough year, you know, who might be looking for a one-year, 
you know, show me kind of deal to, to show people that he can pitch better than that and then get back on the market. You know, that's what they did with Morton. They, you know, they, they've kind of done these one year deals and I think they're going to try to do something like that. Try to get some value, squeeze some value out of some guy like that. Who's who should have a better year than he had last year and, and maybe wants to just do a one year deal to get back up on the market. But yeah, it's going to be, you know, especially if they don't bring Morton back, it's going to get dicey quick. I mean, like you said, Max, you know, Max is no shoe in for 30 starts next year. And, you know, he's supposed to be one of your two sure things. And he's not a sure thing. I mean, he he, he missed almost 60% of the season last year. So, you know, it is the most crucial part of the offseason. It's not even close. This is the biggest story. What they do with Max, what they do with Charlie, what they do in the rotation. This is the number one story for going into next season. And, you know, it's going to get very interesting because free agent starters, paying for free agent starters is just a, it can be an awful business to be in. And I think the Braves might have to be in it, but we'll see. Alex is a creative guy, uh, but he's going to have to, he's going to have to use all those creative juices because it's going it, to, the Braves need some help in the rotation. Yeah. And I mean, they talked about it at the trade deadline, you know, they, they were kind of looking for a starter, but they were looking for more than a rental. And that could be a, you know, that could be a situation, uh, you know, where a guy like Von Grissom's obviously going to be, you know, um, thought of as being in a a potential package for a starter. Uh, This is a season that it does feel like, you know, they've got to do something. Uh, I don't think they can just, you know, if nothing materializes, I don't think they can just name a, uh, add a big name reliever to the bullpen and move forward. It just feels like they've got to add at least, you know, I kind of feel like they have to add a, uh, they need to add a starter, even if Charlie returns. And, you know, if he doesn't, then, you know, that ratchets things up. Obviously, people are going to talk about Dylan Cease. Uh, you know, it just comes down to what the price tag is there and, you know, how what the Braves have, you know, I think to move, to make a deal as far as that go. I mean, we've seen them make two big trades the last two off seasons. Uh, you know, and people talked about how at the time, you know, people were saying that the, you know, the uh, minor league system was ranked near the bottom, but it's they still were able to – Land Matt Olson and uh, Sean Murphy, so I don't think anything's out of the question. Out of the question, but I do think you know this is going to be the thing. This is going to be the thing that we're watching, and until it happens, until they add a starter or two, you know we're going to be, uh, you know we're going to be waiting for uh, kind of waiting for the, uh, uh, you know for that to happen. And uh, but the first domino obviously is going to be Charlie Morton, and I mean we should find that out on November sixth. And I w- I will say. I think it's important to note that the Kyle Wright injury has changed the equation quite like, you know, even, even at the trade deadline, Alex was asked about not acquiring a starter. And he said, well, you know, our, our, our medical guys think that, that uh, Max and Kyle will be back. And so I didn't want to go out and just get any starter. You know, I had a pretty high bar that I had to clear because we know we're getting these guys back. Well, now that's changed, right? Like now, you know you're not getting Kyle back next year. So, you know, does the bar lower a little bit? You know, do they go, you know, if if the bar to begin with was a one or two, is it now a one, two, or three, right? Like, and those guys are, are hard to find either way. So, you know, uh, but I do think it's important to, to note that the Kyle Wright injury has changed the equation quite a bit for the front office, and it, and it has to because they just, there's no way they were planning on him being out all of next year. And so, you know, the list of guys that they are probably interested in probably grew by quite a bit once that injury news came down about Kyle. 
Yeah, you're right. And I, I think you hit it on a nail on the head. I mean, I think you are going to be looking at a situation for one of these reclamation projects, uh, possibly, you know, for a guy that might grieve for a one year uh, with a club option or, you know, at most two years with a club option may be a thing. But, I mean, thing is, you just you just scroll up and down this list, and, I mean, other than some of the guys that are going to get posted from Japan, I mean, you're talking about 33, 34-year-old starters, you know, that are, are headlining this uh, this free agent list uh, this year. I mean, obviously, Otani's the big one. I don't expect the Braves to be involved in that. And there's, you know, at this point, we don't even know if he's going to pitch next year. It doesn't sound like he's going to pitch next year, and we don't know how much, you know, going forward. So, you know, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see. We don't know how much money they've got to spend. You know, obviously, they were in the tax last year. It wasn't really a – it really wasn't a storyline beyond the off season because – they went into the tax, and uh, we kind of all just kind of forgot about it. But, uh, you know, it is going to be something to watch, and I do think it's the, uh, the storyline of the off season. Let's take a quick break right here, and then we'll come back in uh, and talk about some other roster moves. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Uh, there was some other roster news this week. Braves uh, outrighted Ben Heller and Andrew Velasquez to uh, Gwinnett. Uh, Heller actually uh, elected free agency. I don't know if Velasquez has yet or not. I expect him to. A lot of people didn't know Velasquez was even on the 40-man roster and didn't remember uh, that the Braves signed him. Uh, he never got to the major league level. Uh, but I thought the biggest news was uh, Sam Hilliard was claimed off waivers uh, by the Orioles. Uh, you and I talked a lot about Sam Hilliard early on last season. Uh, you know, he, he saw a lot of playing time when Michael Harris was out. But once Harris returned, you know, pretty much disappeared uh, completely. He started to slump right before Harris did come back. You know, it was a fascinating um, few weeks there uh, because he was he was carrying a BABIP, I think, that was up close to over – uh, close to 500 striking out 43 percent of the time <laughs> and hitting the daylights out of the baseball when he did make contact you know played a pretty good center field so I mean he he filled in when the Braves needed him to you know he's still a, a very intriguing guy but I was wondering you know what the Braves were going to try ultimately if they were going to try to bring him back he was arbitration eligible as well you know or if they would try to slip him through waivers but uh you know that's that's the route they went but the Orioles grabbed him yeah Sam Hilliard is like if you tell your mom that you want Joy Gallo and she says we have Joy Gallo at home, then that's Sam Hilliard, right? Like he's like Joy Gallo, but not quite. He's just a, a lesser version of 
of Gallo and Gallo is already a very inconsistent player himself, but you know, he's just a, it's just a ton of strikeouts, like strikeouts that are even hard to comprehend. I mean, I remember several times last year with Hilliard where he would just get sliders like right in the middle of the plate and you would just swing through them. And you're like, how'd you miss that? And it's just a, it's an infuriating strikeout rate and he hits the daylights out of the ball. He walks a lot. He's a, you know, he's a classic uh, three true outcome guy, just like Gallo, but you can't strike out 43% of the time in the majors and, and do anything really. I mean, that's just kind of the bottom line. So yeah, uh, he had a really, you know, nice couple of weeks with the Braves helped the Braves get through some injuries and, you know, best of luck in Baltimore. Yeah. I mean, I was complete. I remember, you know, when Harris came back, I kind of thought Hilliard might figure into the left field spot that time Rosario wasn't hitting well. Uh, Ozuna wasn't hitting well. You know, Kevin Plar was uh, seeing a little bit of action from the right side, but you know, it never happened. And uh, it didn't look like the Braves were ever really interested in it happening. You know, he was kind of there just to play center field if Michael Harris couldn't. You know, it's kind of the way it felt. So, uh, you know, good luck to him uh, with the Orioles. Jesse, the Braves did have two guys uh, file for free agency today, Jesse Chavez and Kevin Pillar. I'll be honest, I was thinking about this today. I wouldn't be surprised if both of these guys – are back on minor league deals if they can't find a major league deal with somebody else. Yeah, I'm surprised, Jesse. I'm surprised we don't we haven't already had that, you know, that tweet that Jesse Chavez is back on a either a one year deal or a minor league deal. He seems like another guy that is not really interested in pitching anywhere else because every time he pitches anywhere else, he sucks. Um, and anytime he pitches for the Braves, he's amazing. So I'm I agree with you. I think there's a very very good chance Chavez is back next year in some capacity. Pilar is a little more interesting because I think he's tied to what the Braves do, you know, in left field on a long-term basis, right? Like he's the, he would be the weaker side of a platoon. So they have to figure out the strong side of platoon or, or maybe an everyday player. And then they can kind of decide on Pilar, but he's a great veteran guy. You know, he's, he's basically your prototypical bench piece. You know, I can see that honestly, if, if they just wanted a, a right-handed bench piece that they just go grab him. Cause he's, he's basically the, you know, he is exactly what you want out of a bench. He's a veteran guy. He's he's always going to be ready. He's great in the clubhouse. He's he's got tons of playoff experience. Like he's exactly what you want on your bench. So, yeah, I I didn't th- I hadn't th- thought about that until you said that. But I could definitely see a scenario where they just want him on the bench. They want him in the clubhouse and and they sign him to some, you know, small little bench deal. Yeah, and uh, you know, you mentioned it there too. And the the last guy with the contract option is obviously his left fielder Eddie Rosario. Uh, he's got a one-year, nine million dollar option. You know, a few weeks ago, I was pretty leaning towards that they would uh, they would probably bring him back. Uh, you know, he had a perfectly league average season, was probably the worst hitter in the lineup. Um, you know, for most of the year. But I mean, if you've you're gonna, your worst hitter is league average with twenty plus home runs, you're doing pretty well. Uh, but at the same time, you know, if they need to cut some money uh, someplace, you know, they can probably go out and find a, a left fielder, uh, you know, in, in that scenario if they need to. Um, you know, so that's something else that's going to be we're going to be watching. Uh, another thing coming up on November 6th, it's also the day that uh, guys on the 60-day injured list uh, have to be added back to the 40-man roster. The Braves currently have 35 players on the 40. Uh, but they have eight guys that are on the 60-day IL. Now, a couple of these are uh, arbitration guys uh, like Colby Allard, Nick Anderson, Yanni Chirinos. So, you know, one of two things. Now, they can open up some spots if they if they decline uh, Colin, uh, Colin McHugh, Kirby Yates, and Brad Hand's uh, options. Then they're they're going to be they're going to have 
uh, eight spots on the 40-man roster for all of these guys. Obviously, if they sign free agents, make a trade, they're going to need additional spots. Uh, but on November 6th, they've got to get back to 40 guys. Uh, so, you know, some more roster moves are coming. You know, this will get them to, obviously, which should get them to the non-tender deadline, which is a little bit later this month. But, uh, you know, another uh, November 6th, which is Monday, is going to be another busy day as far as transactions go. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of the, you know, I would say this is the calm before the storm. But with Alex, honestly, we could have three more free agent signings by Alex, you know, between now and, I mean, by the time we get to the non-tender deadline in, in late November, I think it is, or early December, I mean, Alex could have most of his offseason done. So um, it'll just be interesting to see, you know, with the guys coming off the IL, I, I think the most interesting name for most people is is what they're going to do with Soroka um, because there's been some, you know, you know what, I'm just going to ask you, do you think they'll, there's been smoke out there, I know you've seen it as well, do you think they'll non-tender Soroka? I don't know. It's interesting. Um, you know, I think it depends on how bad they need a 40 man spot. I think they could, there's several other places they could go. You know, obviously if you non-tender him, you know, he's a, he's a free agent. Uh, I think the Braves would probably try to bring him back on a minor league deal if that's the case. But I mean, it, you know, you got to ask yourself, is there, you know, is, is there a bad major league team out here that would, you know, take a chance on Mike Soroka? Cause I really kind of think there probably is, you know, if that yeah. happens, um, you know, but if you do tender him, it's non-guaranteed. Now the, the rub I think with him is he's out of options. So, yeah. you know, if you tender him a contract and whatever much that is, um, I don't have it in front of me. Uh, you can recoup some of that, uh, but, you know, you're still tying up those funds uh, by bringing him to spring training. So, you know, I think it probably depends on what the rest of the rotation looks like, you know, where he's at in his rehab. Um, you know, a lot of moving parts. I mean, that's why I didn't even really get into the non-tender stuff early, uh, just because there's so many more questions that's got to be answered before we get there. But, yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a good one. Um, it's a good question to ask, and I mean, I'm sure that's something we're going to be talking about over the, you know, the next several weeks. And that's the only reason I ask is because you know they have to. He's obviously on the 60 day IL, so they have to put him on back on the 40 man by Monday. And I, I'm just wondering, like, if they don't think they're going to tender him a contract, then do you even, you know, do you even bother? I don't know. I could be, I could be way off. Yeah, I mean, and I think, I mean, the same thing applies to Kobe Allard. You know, the, uh, yeah. Yanni Chernos, same thing. I know the Braves were kind of intrigued about maybe him getting, uh, you know, further out from that injury uh, he had and, and possibility. But, you know, there's a chance that, you know, he doesn't even make it uh, to spring training. Um, you know, they've at least, they've at least gave themselves the option to, I would say, you know, again, it all it all kind of hinges on where they're at with the rotation, uh, you know, as far as deals go or you know, free agency or potential trades as well. Um, you know, and, and I mean, it's also, you know, another guy we hadn't really talked about, it's kind of in the same boat, is uh, Waskar Yanoa. I mean, you know, nobody's really mentioned it, uh, but he had Tommy John, I believe, at the end of the 22 season. So, you know, theoretically, if he's – you know, no, hasn't had any setbacks. He should be ready for the start of spring. I mean, that's a guy that could figure in the rotation mix or in the bullpen mix. You know, I've always kind of looked at him as a power right-handed reliever uh, more than a starter, but I know the Braves liked him as a starter. You know, there's another name that nobody's going to be talking about, you know, until we actually see him back on the mound and throwing. 
But at the same time, you know, they could also, if they need that roster spot, you know, he could be on the outside looking in too. Yeah. And Ian Anderson is somebody we haven't mentioned who should be back, I think, by like the middle of, I think the middle of next year if he doesn't have any setbacks. But yeah, it's a lot. It's, you know, the only thing I would say for guys like Soroka and Allard is because there's so much uncertainty with the rotation, that might help them keep a roster spot, right? Like just having that extra depth, even if it's not great depth. And, you know, I know there's certain segment of the fan base and, um, you know, even us, you know, the beat writers, everybody is rooting for Soroka to get back to the guy he was. But if we're being honest about it at this point, he's not really great depth. Like he's just a guy that can sometimes cover some innings and, and usually not very well. So, uh, but with the rotation questions, I don't know, that might help him. That might help him and, you know, guys like Allard and Yanni Chirinos and guys like that stay around. So we'll see. But like you said, it's so many moving parts. I mean, We've been talking about this for about a week now, but and and we knew there was stuff coming. You know, we knew they were going to have to clear some forty-man spots. They did that when, you know, they did the moves with Heller and, and Velasquez and, um, and and Sam Hilliard. So, and and more is probably coming because they've got even more spots. They're probably going to have to clear depending on what happens with these guys that are about to have their options either picked up or declined. So, a lot of moving parts. Uh, there's going to be plenty to talk about. So, but yeah, it's coming up. And like I said before, Alex. I mean, it's November. You know, this is when Alex moves, so we could have a lot of answers very, very soon. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the last thing I'll say about it is, you know, we've seen we've seen the Braves prioritize depth. You know, right now, I would say, yeah, they probably tender uh, Soroka and uh, you know Allard, but at the same time, by the time we get to November seventeenth, when the deadline is, things could look different. So, you yeah. know, it's it's one of those things. I just feel like probably depends on a lot of things um you know and obviously they have medical updates on him you know since he's since he uh was shut down for the season and and know how things are progressing and and all that that we obviously don't so you know uh just a lot of storylines where last year man it, it kind of felt like last year's off season we were just kind of yeah you know things were pretty much set you know i mean they yeah. they got Sean Murphy nobody was really expecting that but you know i mean all those extensions uh you know uh had kicked in there just wasn't a whole lot of heavy lifting left to do i think the biggest question we probably had was uh would Marcelo Zuna you know make it to opening day and uh you know and obviously that worked out but this off season is a little different i mean there are a lot of storylines here even you know even if they're not they're probably not big picture things, but guys like, you know, a guy like Soroka that has played a huge part, you know, back in 2018, looked like he might be a top of the rotation option. Obviously the injuries have changed all that. Uh, but just, a, there's just a ton of storylines, you know, to keep an eye on over the next, the next few months. Yeah. And even guys, you know, guys we haven't mentioned is, you know, uh, Hurston Waldrop. And I think you mentioned AJ Smith Schauber once, but like, you know, those guys could factor into the decisions about Allard and Soroka. You know, if, if the team wants those guys in AAA getting those innings, then, you know, that's one less spot or two less spots for maybe some veteran guys who, you know, because if you think about it, I mean, the Braves have got Schuster, they got Vines, they got Dodd, they got Alan Winans, they got Allard, they got Soroka, they've got, I mean, they've got so many guys. They've got Trinos, they've got, you know, Oscar Enoa. I mean, they got a ton of guys that, they might have to give innings to it at triple a. And if they definitely want Schuster and, 
and Waldrop, who are probably their two best prospects to be there, then that's two spots that, you know, two of those other guys might not get. So, you know, it's going to be interesting how, you know, how, because the Braves clearly want to push these young guys and see what they have in them. So, you know, do those guys end up costing somebody else a spot? So, like you said, it's just a ton of, it's a ton of moving parts. It's, it's hard to even wrap your brain around all of it, but we'll get answers here pretty quick actually yeah and i mean you know the last thing on soroka i mean you know the other side of the equation i said they would i feel like they'd kind of uh tent would probably tender him but at the same time there were several points during the season we thought uh you know they're going to need a starter right here uh it's probably going to be michael soroka and then it wasn't you know it was jared schuster or dylan dodd or alan winans uh you know or somebody else so you know you know the writing may be on the wall from that standpoint so you know we'll just have to see we'll see how uh what unfolds over the next uh couple of weeks uh before we get out of here i did want to hit a couple of quick things obviously the rangers uh won the world series i don't know how many people uh predicted that i know uh this was not the in terms of viewership this was not the greatest world series matchup uh you know i don't want to take anything away from the rangers or the diamondbacks the diamondbacks you know again a team that didn't win their division i think they had 84 wins but got hot at the right time you know and they beat the dodgers they beat the phillies um you know and they you know i know the world series kind of got away from them but you know they split two games in texas um you know but um you know, we've talked about this in Slack for, I know, over a week. Uh, but I just kind of feel like, you know, with this playoff format, the way it is, the random randomness of baseball, and I know that rubs some people the wrong way, but that's what I believe. I think this is going to be the new normal, and we're going to see this. I don't know that 100-win teams are always going to lose in the first round. Uh, I doubt that's going to happen. I mean, we've only got two years of data. But, you know, at the same time, you know, you're, you're kind of – I think they've devalued – uh, winning a hundred games in the regular season, uh, because you're, you know, your whole, your whole year is going to come down to a five game series in the first round. Yeah. So I was happy to, I was rooting for Texas because I'm somebody who I like when teams go out and try to build really good teams, get rewarded. Like I, that's, that's, that should be the reward. If you go out and you spend money and you build a good team, and Texas was a good team. Don't, I mean, I think some people may have, like Texas had, the second best run differential in the American League this year behind Tampa. They had the third best offense in baseball behind uh, Tampa and Atlanta. Like Texas was good, and you know they they stumbled down the stretch. They didn't win their division. Houston caught them, but and I think that probably maybe had some people thinking they weren't all that great. But Texas was a good team, so I was happy to see them win because that's that's what should happen when you build a good team. You know, I, I don't like the idea. And this is my frustration with the playoff format. I don't like the idea that teams can build very average teams. Like by every measure we have, Arizona was a very average team this year. They were they had a negative run differential. They had 84 wins. You know, any other playoff year, they don't even sniff the playoffs. But because of expanded playoffs, they got in, they got hot. You know, I just don't like the idea that you can build an average team and then win the World Series. Like that's just not my favorite thing in the world. And so I, I was rooting for Texas. Um, I, you know, Corey Seeker is, is probably my favorite player. That's not a brave. I think anybody that follows me on Twitter probably knows that, but um, I was happy for them. And, you know, with the playoff format, yeah, I would just, I, I, I've hated expanded playoffs since the day they announced them in the CBA. And, you know, I have a whole reason for that, that we're not, I'm not going to get into a rant on that tonight, but, um, but, you know, 
it, it wasn't the most exciting World Series for the general public. I get that. I watched it, but you know, I, we're 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 hardcores, we're diehards. We're gonna watch it no matter what. The casual fan probably isn't the same, but you know, it was fun. I'm I'm happy for Texas. They'd never won a World Series before, which is always cool. Um, so yeah, congrats to them, and and I appreciate them doing it quickly so we could get to the offseason. Yeah, and I mean, you've got to appreciate the uh, Rangers. I mean, obviously they could have had Jacob Degrom. Uh, you know, they lost him early. Uh, they went out and got Max Scherzer. You know, they they weren't scared to uh, you know uh, spend money, and you know gave uh, Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager those huge contracts, and they may not end well. You know, at the end of the day, but nobody's going to care because they got their World Series, and uh, you know that's what oh. it, that's what it's supposed to be about. Uh, you know, I do think Arizona's a an up and coming team, perhaps if, you know, if they can, uh, if they'll spend some money and, and make some, uh, good moves, uh, obviously it's, that's going to be tough with this free agent class, but you know, it's, they've got a good, exciting young core, you know, it kind of reminds you a little bit of what the Braves had a few years ago. I don't know, you know, we'll have to see how they develop and how it plays out, but, uh, you know, I mean, before somebody harps on the the, the playoff, you know, it, me, uh, crying over spilt milk, you know, as far as the Braves, uh, going out, you know, I just like to see that first round be a seven game series. You know, I'll be honest with you. I think if this if it had been seven games this time, I don't think the Braves win. You know, obviously, unless their offense, their bats came alive, I don't think the Dodgers would have won. I don't think the Dodgers had the pitching, you know, to, even to survive a seven game series. But I think if you if you put that division series to a seven game series, yes, it extends things out. But I think more often than not, that helps the situation where the the better team's going to win. And I mean, let's be honest: the wild card round was a waste of time. You know, that was they were blowouts. Uh, you know, the the higher the expected winner uh, swept the other one. I mean, they was you know it was every every all four series were two zero. You know, so I mean, to me, you know, it was kind of a it's kind of a letdown, obviously, but you know, of course, I was, you know, I had a vested interest in in one particular team, and they went out, they went out pretty early. Uh, the last thing I wanted to hit before we, uh, you know, before we get out of here today, and and this one's kind of aggravating, and we kind of talked about it uh, this week too, uh, but you know, it seems like every World Series now somebody's going to use a bullpen game, and then the national media is going to have to uh, write about it, you know, bemoaning it, and. Um, you know, and I don't know how you feel. I I think I know how you feel about it, uh, but you know, it it rubs me the wrong way. And I go back to uh, Game Three of the 2021 World Series when uh, Ian Anderson came out after five innings, uh, you know, five no hit innings, but was near 100 pitches or over 100 pitches, you know. And then then the Braves win that game two to nothing, and the column next day is not about the Braves going up two one in the series. It's about Oh, how, you know, in the old days, nobody would have came out of a game a no-hitter. You know, I mean, well, there was no chance Ian Anderson was going to complete that game, you know, and, and throw a no-hitter. I mean, he was already uh, – I don't remember how many pitches, but he was pretty dang close to 100 if he wasn't already over it. I remember watching it. I was wondering if he was even going to get through the fifth inning. You know, I mean, just looking at this season, uh, I wish the Braves had treated game three of the division series a whole lot more like a, a bullpen game than they did. I mean, Brian Snicker even said after that game that he was hoping Bryce Elder would go five innings when, you know, you should have been hope you should have been happy that um Bryce Elder got through the lineup the first time and had the bullpen ready the you know, the second there was trouble. Uh that was kind of what we went into that thinking was gonna happen, but that wasn't the case. You know, it's just fascinating to me that we always have this old school, new school uh argument 
as uh you know in 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 baseball you know you don't see that in other sports every sport changes uh but it seems like you know there's more resistance to change in baseball yeah i i i get really annoyed by how the baseball is covered quite often actually but especially in the postseason because first of all i don't understand why you know somebody's fourth starter pitching four innings is all that more exciting than a bullpen game like what like i don't is 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 watching you know bryce elder or, or michael lorenzen pitch really that exciting like it does it really increase the watchability of the game that much instead of a bullpen you know and usually these bullpen games are a bunch of dudes throwing 99 and 100 and you know electric stuff and exciting stuff and strikeouts and you know i i, I don't understand why everybody yeah yeah i don't get i don't get why watching you know, Michael Lorenzen pitches that much more exciting, but whatever. Um, yeah, I saw those articles. I don't, yeah. It's a weird thing that baseball latches on. There's so many more real problems, like the fact that nobody can watch these games because every, everybody's blacked out. Like, let's, let's, let, let's put the bullpen game rants down for like a season and let's just talk about blackouts for the whole season and maybe we can get something changed because that's an actual problem that needs to be addressed, not, you know, uh, and the other thing that pisses me off about that is the people that complain about it, their jobs aren't tied to whether or not, you know, these teams win or lose. But the people that are in charge of these teams, their jobs are tied to whether or not the teams win or lose. So, like, you don't get to tell the 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 GM or the coaches how to manage or coach the team because their job is tied to the win, the, the win or the loss. Your Your job is not. So... Um, it, yeah, it is annoying. I agree with you. And I, I really wish we could, you know, uh, just pile, pile all of our media and attack one real problem, which is these blackouts that are just a, atrocious all across the league. And, and this, this stupid, this petty stuff like bullpen games. Yeah, they, 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 they th- that stuff just needs to go away. Yeah, no, I mean, my only fear is, and I know, I know Rob Manfred had some comments about it, um, you know, my fear is, is they're going to try to change the rules to prevent stuff like that. You know, whether they tie it to the DH, which is the most ridiculous uh, proposal that I've seen, or they try to, uh, you know, um, they've tried to uh, uh, limit pitching staffs down to 12 or 11 guys. You know, my thing is on that, I mean, we saw it this year. The Braves had the 13th position player never played. So are you going to keep a 26-man roster and limit it to 12? So then you're going to have two bench players that never play? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. You know, the max velocity is here. It's here to stay, in my opinion. I don't care if you drop it down to 11 pitchers. Guys know what what it takes to get paid in today's game. And all you're going to do is cause a bunch more pitchers to get hurt. You know, um, you know, I thought the I thought Major League Baseball did a really good thing with the pitch clock this year. I came in skeptical, but I thought it went off without a hitch. And I mean, they went through the whole postseason, you know, without a, a major incident. Players adapted. Uh, there was a lot of injuries this year. Uh, I think some people tried to connect that to the pitch clock. I don't know if that's that's the case. If you can do that, but I do know if you get down to you know you start trying to limit these uh, pitching staffs down to 12, 11 guys then you're not going to get the 1980s when you or 90s when you've got Kevin Millwood and Denny Nagel as uh as four starters. You know, those days are gone. 
And, uh, you know, I just don't, I, I just get tired of hearing about it in every world series. You know, we're not, we're never talking about, um, you know, how they do, we do talk about how good of a, you know, how the good stories with the game, but it seems like that always has to be in, in the recent years that always has to be in the, you know, it always has to uh, show up, uh, before the series is out. So just, uh, it just bugs me. Uh, but you know, I, I was, I was kind of, I thought we had a good discussion about it earlier this week and I wanted to mention it. Yeah. It's listen, a massive, massive, massive amount of baseball fans have no access to watch baseball games because of blackouts, right? Like that, it's like worrying about worrying about bullpen games with that going on is like I mean it's honestly it's like you're it's like you're sweeping it's like you're sweeping the floor of the Titanic like it's like you're mopping the kitchen in the Titanic as it's sinking like it, it's it, it's you have a massive massive amount of fans who have no access to watch your games and the ratings have shown it like and and obviously ratings are down across the board for just about everybody but Baseball has a massive accessibility problem and worrying about, you know, the stupidest stuff, worrying about bullpen game is just it's such a waste of time. And I I really wish Manford, I, I really wish the national media, the, the national media do this as much as anybody. And it's what annoys me. But like, let's focus our energy and efforts on that. Like, let's get more access of the games to fans and then we can worry about, you know, how important bullpen games are because it's a really mixed up priorities that that bother me so yeah i'm i'm a hundred percent in your corner on that one well i think that's uh that's everything we've got anything else you want to hit before we get out of here no it's you know it's obviously the off season we're not going to be around you know every week like we were during the season but we will have content of some sort every week and this podcast network will have content uh brad and scott will Obviously, man, their show uh, throughout the off season. Uh, Sean will do the same. Chris and I are now back, and I don't know if we'll be on a regular schedule, but we'll be on a semi-regular schedule at least. So, you know, the the content doesn't stop just because the season is over. There's like we've been talking about all episode. There's plenty of moves and plenty of stuff to talk about coming. So, make sure you check check out the site, check out the uh, podcast network, and we appreciate it as always. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.